This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show hosted by me, UNI Insider for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And, of course, this is on AM950, KOEL, and KOEL.com, as well as the KOEL app. You can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. as well. We've got those guest segments on YouTube, too. So wherever you're at, like, subscribe, download, comment, whatever. It's great. (laughs) Not whatever. It's greatly appreciated wherever you're at. And you can always listen to us on any of our Town Square Station apps as well in the Cedar Valley, KCRR, Q98.5, and K92.3.2. Great show ahead of us today as we've got David Eicholt from 24-7 Sports. He's on to tell us if Iowa has any freaking chance to beat Ohio State this weekend. And then Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader and a sports station down there, 96.9 The Jock, I think. And he's going to be on to uh, preview that UNI versus Missouri State game happening this Saturday. Well, today at 4 p.m. in the Dome and uh, tell us whether or not the UNI defense has any chance of stopping Jason Shelley. The Missouri State Bears, though, they are just 2-4, and four, four straight losses. So we'll see how that all comes together. So stick around for all of that. What I want to start off today with is talking about basketball, believe it or not. We just did that on Wednesday. If you missed it with Kevin Lehman from, uh, well, he's a college basketball analyst. He's been on ESPN, CBS, etc., former coach at UNI. He was at UNI Basketball Media Day and is a voter for the preseason awards and postseason awards, for that matter, in the Missouri Valley Conference. He joined us to talk a little bit about UNI going into this season. The MVC as a whole, the night before preview, or excuse me, a couple nights before preseason awards came out. And so we have that that's on any any podcasting platform but what I want to get to today is those preseason awards now that they're out and we can talk about them freely here on corn stocks and sports talk on am 950 koel and koel.com if you missed my article you know delving into some of these preseason awards first Drake is is well Drake is is placed first by a long shot 52 of the 54 first place votes in the MVC, they bring back so much talent. We've talked about that before here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. And not recently. That was in the spring when Garrett Sturts and Roman Penn and Darnell Brody all announced that they'd be coming back. I think DJ Wilkins did then too. So four really big pieces coming back as well as a few other talented guys. Bradley received a first place vote and then Southern Illinois replaced, or received a first place vote. Then it's Missouri State, then UNI, then Belmont. Number seven, Indiana State, eight, Murray State, nine, Valpo, 10, Illinois State, 11, UIC, and 12, Evansville. Evansville's been in the Missouri Valley Conference for a while, and they're still predicted to be uh, worse than UIC. It's not, you know, it's (laughs) coaching change, some transfers. I believe in David Ragland. I think he's going to at least make them semi-relevant again. 
but it's tough to make Evansville uh, a good basketball team. Now, I don't want to talk too much about those preseason placings uh, across the MVC because who really knows at this point? I mean, who really knows in regards to a lot of things in in terms of the preseason awards? But with with the, the conference poll... People, I don't think we're factoring in that Austin Fife was going to be. Well, yeah, they definitely weren't factoring in Austin Fife not being around until later on in the season. And who knows what Murray State is? Belmont, kind of a rebuild, rebuilding year. Missouri State bringing in a ton of transfers. I don't think Southern Illinois is going to be the third spot. I don't think Bradley is going to be in the third spot. Drake definitely the favorite. Um, I, I do think. Two, three, four, five, six could be a a huge mix up. Also, Murray State, like I said, ton of transfers, total turnover on the roster. I think they brought one guy back and Steve Prohm back uh, at Murray to to lead the Racers. And I don't want to count out Steve Prohm. Murray State has traditionally been freaking awesome too, and and Belmont's a good program. You and I. Could Austin Five come back earlier? What's Trey Campbell going to be like? How about Michael Duax and Landon Wolf? Uh, is is Nate Heisey and 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 uh, Titan Anderson are they going to make that leap? Bowen Bourne, what's he's going to be? So lots of things up in the air. I think Marcus Domask from Illinois is going to have a great season. I think Rank Mast from from Bradley is going to have a great season. But it's all super flexible in there. I I don't want to say anything definitive other than I think that Drake's going to going to win the whole thing. Other than that, we didn't get like defense, team defense, or awards, or all-conference defense, or newcomers, or anything like that. Just straight first, second, third team all-conference, which is what pretty much always happens at the beginning of every year for most conferences across the country. First team, uh, Tucker DeVries is going to be the MVP. That was the preseason vote. He's mine, too. I mean, the situations between AJ and him going into that second year are, are pretty similar there are obviously some differences. That team was a little bit younger for, for you and I, but, that, well, maybe not. They had Spencer Haldeman and Isaiah Brown. Hmm. Maybe check that. I, I don't think Luke McDonald played very much that season, but Drake bringing back a bunch of guys, and Tucker DeVries is very much the dude for that team. So that's the way I see things shaking out. Uh, I, the only discrepancy I really had on the first team was – I don't know who Ben Shepard or what Ben Shepard's capable of. He's a he's a player for Belmont. And then Ben Cricky is on the first team. He's from Valpo. They never put bad teams, guys from bad teams on the first team. Antonio Reeves damn near led the led the conference in scoring last year for Illinois State and he finished on the second team. So Ben Cricky's not going to be first team. I can tell you that right now. Roman Penn, we'll see. I I don't see him as a first team guy. If he scores a little bit more, then yeah, I could see him there, but I see that guy as a second team player. Second team, it's it's Bowen Bourne is there from UNI, Donovan Clay. I think Clay could be a first team guy. And then Cooper Nice finds himself in there. I see Cooper as more of a third team guy too. Garrett Sturt, second team, I think that's fair. Lance Jones, second team. I could probably see Lance Jones fall into that third team. And Bowen Bourne could very well get first team at this point too because I think he's going to be the main scorer for the Panthers this season. Then third team, it's Cam Henry from Indiana State, Kobe King from Valpo, Rob Perry from Murray State, Austin Fife from UNI, and DJ Wilkins from from Drake. Wilkins coming off that injury, so no guarantee what he's going to be. We don't know about Fife if he's even going to be back. I don't know enough about Rob Perry. Kobe King, 
I mean, he he had a, a year to get back into the groove of things. He was on the all-newcomer team coming from Wisconsin after taking a year off and not playing for Nebraska. And so I, I think that's very possible for Kobe King to, to sneak in there, uh, if not be on the fringes. So those are the first, second, and third teams, and, and my disagreements were with where things landed there. Uh, we're talking MVC preseason polls here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Now, in terms of where things landed last year and what I expect from, from some of these guys going into this season as well as maybe some guys flying under the radar that could sneak into that third team, maybe even that second team from across the valley. We'll, we'll do that first. So underrated players that could push for all-conference honors. Newcomer stuffs uh, uh, maybe too, um, but I, I guess I, I only have a couple guys that, that could fall into that category. For all-conference honors, names that you might not recognize yet that could sneak into that newcomer team, Goner Ballou, who is related to, oh, forgive me, Omaha Ballou, who just committed to Iowa State. It's his older brother, just transferred from DMAC. He's playing for Bradley this year. I could definitely see him squeezing into a all-conference team. Sardar Calhoun, who's a transfer from Texas Tech and spent time at Florida State, he's joining Drake. So that makes them probably even more lethal. Who knows with these guys, though? Sometimes they, they're these high-level recruits that go to big schools and don't do anything, and then they expect to be the man when they go to a school like Drake. And it's going to be Tucker DeVries. So we'll see what happens for Drake and, and Sardar Calhoun there. I'm not going to pronounce this guy's name right until I hear it, hear it correctly, but Corvassier McCauley from DePaul is transferring into Indiana State to Paradise, if you will. And uh, DePaul is a traditionally a pretty solid program for basketball, so I, I could see that guy contributing certainly um, right away. Illinois State and Missouri State both have a bunch of transfers. Missouri State has four Power Six transfers. Uh, Arkansas... Georgia, Oklahoma, and there was another one in there, but they also have transfers from St. Peter's, Colorado State, Akron, um, and one who's been there for a while in Hawaii. So lots of newcomer guy possibilities there. Illinois State bringing in two guys from Kansas State, Virginia, BYU, Elon, Western Illinois, and App State. So all newcomer team possibilities there. Um, Freshman team. How about freshman of the year? Let's, Let's hit that first. I probably don't know enough about the rest of the Missouri Valley Conference and their freshman classes to delve into that too much. I probably don't. Uh, And once the season progresses and we get to see some of these young guys, I'll be able to speak to that more. But what I do know is UNI basketball as a UNI insider for Town Square Media. Again, my name is Elliot Clough. You're listening to Cornstalks and Sports Talk. We're talking Missouri Valley Conference I almost said football. Basketball, Missouri Valley Conference basketball preseason awards this morning on Cornstalks and Sports Talk on AM 950. KOEL and KOEL.com. Um, and actually, I'm going to backtrack. A couple guys that I think could squeeze into that, you know, maybe third team spot, like I mentioned, Sardar Calhoun. Then there's Darnell Brody, Seton Hall transfer for, for Drake. He's a big boy. And if Fife can't play at full strength, then Brody could very well dominate the season. No gauge prim from Missouri State. Uh, Loyola gone. I, I don't know, really know what the rest of the bigs really look like this season, other than Brody being a big dominant guy. Jay Sean Henry back for Bra- for Bradley. He was he was really good when he, he was healthy. Xavier Bledson from Indiana State, and then of course 
Uh, Donovan Clay, who I think he's on second team. I could definitely see him being on first team. I think I already said that, though. And then UNI's Nate Heisey and Titan Anderson could sneak, I think, into that third team. Uh, specifically, well, he, those two and Bowen are going to be right in there for scoring this season. Uh, I think I, if I had to guess, Bowen would be the leading scorer, followed by Nate, followed by Titan. But what Titan does all over the floor in terms of energy will get folks' attention across the con- uh, excuse me across the conference. And then Nate Heisey's been doing it for a while. He started as a freshman and or at least received minutes as a freshman. I wasn't covering the team at that point in time. Um, and his defense is very underrated. He should have been on the all-defense team last year for the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, and I, assuming health, he's gonna he's gonna defend the other team's best player again this year. That's gonna be a focus for him. He needs to be on that all defense team. If anything, be competing for the defensive player of the year award too, because I mean he's just on your hip constantly. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what he does for the newcomer slash freshman group. Again, I don't know a ton of the other guys in the conference, but for the freshmen. At UNI, there are two that are redshirt freshmen that are going to receive time this year that they didn't last year, and that's Mike Duax and Landon Wolf. Landon Wolf, of course, from Cedar Falls, and his his ability to score the basketball is what stands out. He wouldn't tell you that himself. He wouldn't tell me that himself, at least at, at media day for for UNI basketball. But uh, that's what he's really known for on the team, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And fill in that role of sort of that, you know, maybe tertiary, fourth, fifth option that Trey Burhow leaves behind. Not that Trey was, he's probably third behind uh, AJ and Noah last year. At least he wasn't scoring. Um, and then Mike Duax is going to be that second defender for this team. Not replacing Taiwan Anderson, or, oh my gosh, Taiwan Anderson. Uh, uh, Taiwan Pickford, but he's going to be another athletic guy that I'm really excited to see defend this year. And, uh, his athleticism is really impressive to me. And then Trey Campbell. Trey Campbell is my pick to win freshman of the year just because I, we've all seen what he's done and what he is. He's a smooth, calm, collected athlete. And as the season progresses and he gets used to some more physicality and, and maybe puts on some weight, that's going to be easier for him. But again, I don't know the rest of the conference very well. And ter- if, you know, if the all freshman team was like it was last year, which was basically non-existent other than Tucker DeVries. Ege Peksari may very well find himself a spot on the all-freshman team, too, at this point because he's just fun to watch, man. I don't know that down the stretch he's going to receive a lot of playing time. That'll be something we see along the way, but I don't think he's going to be on the fringe of the rotation this season and progressively get himself in there as he works on defense. Um that's that's what I expect from Ege Peksari. Uh, again, so freaking fun to watch offensively. Looks like he has eyes in the back of his head, the the kid from Turkey. And and so in regards to other other awards around the conference, I there aren't I mean, there's newcomer of the year, freshman of the year, etc. Uh I I think the newcomer will be a transfer from one of these big schools in Missouri State or that went after transfers that is. Missouri State and maybe Illinois State, depending on how good Illinois State is uh, this season, which I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, Missouri State will be, and uh, they, they've got some some transfer transfers that are going to contribute this season. I think they brought in seven total, and so they're going to be nasty. Could very well be Sardar Calhoun, too. 
Um, comeback player of the year. I don't think there is one of those in, in the MVC, but that would be Jay Sean Henry for sure. I, I mean, I, Missouri Valley Conference is the most underrated, uh, what's the word, mid-major, <laughs> mid-major conference in the country, I think. I mean, Arch Madness is insane. I'm excited to have a huge fan base from Murray State down there this year in St. Louis. I you know football's a blast. I love covering football, and it's really nice that it's on Saturdays and it's easy to make it to. I won't be able to make it to a lot of the weeknight games for basketball, but I will be watching them on ESPN Plus, etc. And Arch Madness is different, man. There's a different energy in there, and and I can't wait. I can't wait to cover the games. I I mean. We got to get through non-conference and, and regular season play for first and or conference play first. And UNI has a great schedule ahead for for their non-conference play, as Coach Jake has addressed a few times. But uh, and that's going to really contribute for an at-large bid if they need it for basketball. I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily have a real prediction this season for what UNI is going to be at this point. We need to see what they are without Austin Fife. Hopefully, see what they are with Austin Fife. Determine what some of these young guys are in in Trey Campbell, Mike Duax, Landon Wolf, and Egg Apex. Sorry, and we'll see that soon enough. First two games are one the the one against Dubuque is is exhibition. Then it's Wartburg. Then it's right into the thick of it playing Richmond at Richmond uh, to start the season. So we're gonna find out quick, and they're gonna play Virginia while they're out there. That's gonna be a punch in the mouth kind of game where it's like, all right, we know what we got to do now to win. And or at least it's a it's a reality check at the very least. And so I'm really looking forward to that this season. Basketball is quickly approaching. First game is that exhibition against Dubuque on November 2nd. So we're getting close, folks. I am excited. And I am Elliot Clough, you and I insider for Town Square Media here with you this Saturday morning on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950, KOEL and KOEL.com. Don't go anywhere. David Eicholt joining us up next to preview that Iowa versus Ohio State game and talk a little Hawkeye basketball. Stay right here for more Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. Hawkeyes are coming off a bye week and entering their game this weekend against number two, Ohio State, where they are 30-point dogs in Columbus. On to talk with us now is David Eichold of 24-7 Sports here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. David, we were just talking about it a little bit before I hit record. Does Iowa have a chance in hell in this game <laughs> in Columbus this weekend? Here's my thing. I just don't think you can logically say it right now. And it's very, it's one of the very few games I've completely discounted Iowa out of since I started covering the team back in 2018 might be the only one. I mean, you look at what the offense has done or is not doing. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. I could sit here and rattle off all, you know, how bad they are, but it's on pace to be one of the worst offenses in power five history to just put it quite bluntly. And it, I think Iowa's defense is going to do enough to keep it interesting. I think Ohio State scores on the very first drive because Iowa just doesn't do well on first drives. Like It's almost like when that defense goes up against scripted plays, they just struggle a little bit. But Phil Parker will adjust after. I think Iowa will get at least one turnover. But you know the story. It's the offense cannot move the football. And when we've kind of pressed Brian, we've pressed Kirk about what changes they were going to make during the bye week. They didn't really point out too much. I think Brian did a much better job than Kirk and just saying we need to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. We need to make the makeables and eliminate negative yardage plays. 
but what specifically are you going to do to eliminate that? And I think that's where fans, I don't think are going into this game, obviously expecting a win. I think people would be thrilled just to see progress. And I know moral victories don't really count in sports, but when your offense is as bad as Iowa's, might be one of those rare cases where if you put up two or three offensive touchdowns somehow against Ohio State's defense, which is top 10 nationally, you're feeling at least that the season is salvageable to the point where maybe you can get to a bowl game. And it's it's crazy to me that we're even talking about Iowa potentially missing a bowl game. I mean, with that defense, it's it's like what the coaching is doing right now, it's like blasphemy. And what the offense is doing, considering how damn good that defense is, you know, granted they've, they've let the the points rack up against Michigan, but the Iowa offense is clearly not on the field enough um, to, to have that be something that you take away as an indictment of the defense. I mean, like what has to go right for them, go wrong for Ohio state for them to, to snag a victory. I saw you got that article at the collaboration with your cohort, Sean Bach uh, previewing the game and, and keys I mean, is there anything that can can result in a win for Iowa this weekend? Defensive touchdown. I think when you look at when you look at what happened in that 2017 game, and granted, it's in the horseshoe. There's different circumstances, but the first play of scrimmage, Monty Hooker had the pick six. And I think if you want to give Ryan Day maybe some flashbacks to that game, because remember, Ryan Day was the first year coach on that staff in that 2017 season. And he's been very public this week about how that loss is kind of scarred him and it's kind of stuck with him. So, you know, the players are not uh, going to be checking out this week, despite it being against Iowa. I think if Iowa can get an early turnover and early pick six, I at least think it kind of gives that eerie sort of, okay, is it going to be one of those type of games? Um, but we've seen Ohio state bounce back. I've said it's the best wide receiver room in the history of college football. I think it's up there with 2019 LSU. I think it's up there with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell at Alabama. But keep in mind, they're, they're doing all this without Jackson Smith and the Jigba, who, by the way, is going to be back tomorrow against Iowa, uh, despite missing most of the season. <laughs> so if, if enough things weren't going in Iowa's favor, they're getting, this is the stat people need to remember. And I know people almost hate hearing stats at this point. But Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I believe in that Rose Bowl, had 347 yards and three touchdowns. The only Iowa receiver, wide receiver, that had more yards for the whole season was Keegan Johnson, who had like eight more. So, I mean, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what, what What do we talk about? What do we do? I mean, I, again, I think Iowa's going to have to create turnovers. I think the defense and special team, and I'm not even saying that they have to put up points for just to rep, like run the score. I'm saying from a momentum standpoint, I'm saying from, okay, we're showing something here. That's what I mean by that. And to try to rattle Ohio state, because the way you're going to rattle Ohio state, it's not the offense scoring. It's the defense scoring. Now in, in regards to the offense, I've seen some of your updates on Twitter about the health of specifically the wide receiving group. Uh, has that changed at all over the bye week Anybody healthy, anybody back for, for Iowa? I think Deontay Vines has a chance to play. I wouldn't bank on it, but, you know, he hasn't really done anything in Iowa uniform, but based on what I heard behind the scenes for, for fall camp, he was arguably the standout on the offense. I mean, he was making remarkable catches. You know, Iowa football did a great job, I thought, of showing some of his highlights uh, in, in fall practice during that portion 
to kind of give Iowa fans a glimpse. Jacob Bostic, I don't expect to play the true freshman. And Keegan Johnson's just – it's it, that's a very interesting situation. Just from me reading the tea leaves, I – you know, there's rumors that he might not suit up for the year. I don't know. I don't think he suits up for the rest of the year. That's not anything I'm hearing, by the way. That's just me kind of reading between the lines of what coaches are saying. And if that's the case, that's uh, obviously a huge blow to Iowa's offense. And I think without, you know, Iowa being without Keegan's hurt them this year. I mean, I think he was Iowa's highest upside receiver. Upside's a trigger word I know right now for Iowa fans. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's any weapon they can get back at this point, even if it's not proven, like Spencer Petras just needs options. But again, I think you can't really pinpoint one or two issues with this offense. I mean, it's, across the board maybe besides the tight ends but let's you know let's be real the tight ends have had some drop issues as well so you know there's things obviously that need to be fixed but uh i do think that i it wouldn't surprise me if deontay vines played jacob bostic i think still maybe a week or two away from from getting back into shape sure and as you mentioned for johnson i mean at what point do you try to take that medical red shirt and just say you know what I don't really uh, see the up, <laughs> see the upside <laughs> of <laughs> playing with Spencer. I'm sorry, playing with Spencer Petras at quarterback and 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 just move on to next season. And speaking of which, as we're talking with David Eichel here on Court Stocks and Sports Talk on AM nine fifty KOEL and KOEL.com about this Iowa Ohio State game and the Iowa offense. Um, I mean, I like I know it's getting old at this point. <laughs> What at what at what point like what what does Alex Padilla have to do or or what does have to happen to get him on the field? Is it just a Spencer Petras injury? Is that the only thing that can happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that has to be clear. I mean, it's been mind boggling to me that you know I don't blame Kirk and Brian for doing this from the standpoint when they're up there and they're asked about Padilla and they said we have full confidence and well you don't have full confidence in him. Because Spencer Petras, again, this is with all due respect to Spencer Petras, okay? Like, I, he has three touchdowns in the past 13 games. He's three and seven in his past 10 starts. And they say he's given the best chance to win. I, okay, that's, that's their assessment. They're there day by day. But they always refer back to practice. Fans don't give a damn about practice. Like, if, if they cared about practice, you should be selling pay-per-view tickets to them. So they can watch practice because maybe they'll actually watch touchdowns be scored. Like that's the temperature of the fan base right now. And it's mind boggling to me that, you know, everybody focused on what's the upside comment from last week. There's one comment to me that was a lot worse than did not get talked about enough. And it was when asked about the mobility factor and Brian talked about timing and he talked about, that's why Petrus is out there because he has better timing with the receivers and Brian essentially said that once the timing's off, it's backyard football. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm licking my lips. I'm smoking a cigar. I'm cracking a beer because guess what? I got to take the, I get to take the week off because all you're telling me, all I have to do is disrupt your timing and the play's dead. And you're admitting that the play is dead. Okay. And you know, we watched a lot of backyard football this past bye week and uh, you know, 52 points. 49 points against you know a top 10 team two top five teams Tennessee and Alabama backyard football is modern football now and I think that this is gonna be the most critical offseason 
arguably in Kirk Ferentz's career in terms of on the field. Obviously, 2020 is one thing. And if it's not, it's going to be up there with the 2014 season after they went four and eight. And, you know, I think that was where Kirk Ferentz, the temperature around him, people wanted him gone. Then he came back and went 12 and two. So, yeah, I know we're we're speculating about the offseason, but it really is almost to that point because I've said if I wouldn't win the Big Ten West, season's a failure. And I still stand by that. The Big Ten West is bad. It's not even just bad. It's just like I can't even comprehend. I mean, Wisconsin's bad. Like, like if Iowa and Wisconsin are bad, the whole thing's just trash. I mean, Minnesota had had some stretches there, but um, in, in regards to this offseason, does Brian Ferentz make it to twenty twenty three with this football team? No, I just don't see how it's possible. I don't think Iowa fires him. I think he leaves on his own accord. Really? Even after the uh, look at my kids thing? I think he meant that from he's going to finish the season out. And then he's going to leave. Again, I don't want to throw out, you know, I'm not reporting that. I'm not saying that it's a guaranteed, but I would be surprised. I, I, I will be very surprised if Brian Ferentz is on Iowa staff next year. Okay. And at some point it's got to be a pride thing, you know, like as far as I think I can do better than this in a different role or like holding yourself to a standard. It's just, it's just weird. I just don't, I just don't see how Brian will like maybe move back down to a position coach after this. Like I can't see him doing that at Iowa. I think he's going to go the NFL and be a line coach. Got it. it. He did that with the Patriots, right? He was a tight end coach, I believe, for a year okay. or two. Okay. Well, uh, I that's yeah, that's got to be his best bet at this point. And if he wants to stay in a coordinator position, there's I'm sure there's a lot of jobs uh, or jobs opening in uh, Division Three football. So, continuing here on on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk with David Eichold here uh, on AM nine fifty KOEL and KOEL dot com. People are I know they're just kind of tired of football, so. Let's talk uh, something a little more positive in, in basketball. I know you're at media day for the men <clears throat> recently uh, this list last week, I believe it was um, thoughts on, on the, the outlook of Iowa basketball going into this season. No Jordan Bohannon, no Keegan Murray. What do you think is the ceiling for, for this Iowa basketball team in, in 2022? Well, the offense is going to be good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it. Uh, I, I think that people are starting to catch on with this team as far as the national radar goes. I think this is going to be a really good basketball team. So I think that has a chance to be better defensively than they were last year. I think Tony Perkins is going to take a step forward and probably be Iowa's best on-ball defender. But, you know, it's interesting when you look at this team. When you look at last year, everybody knew it. Keegan, you know, he was going to be the guy. Obviously, people didn't realize what he was going to do. But there's not, and you know, everybody talks about Chris Murray and understandably so from a variety of factors, but people need to realize he will not put up the statistics that Keegan did. And it's going to be better for Iowa because Iowa has more proven talent around Chris than when Keegan was the guy, because we still didn't know what Patrick was going to bring. We didn't know what Tony was going to bring. We didn't know what Peyton Sanford was going to bring. We had an idea about Peyton Sanford. I had an idea about Peyton Sanford. I'm still all in on him. But now you look at this team. Chris is going to average 17, probably 17, 18 points, seven, eight rebounds. Really, really good. Patrick, I think, is going to average 15. 
And then you got Tony Perkins, who could take a huge step forward. Peyton Sanford, who could be one of the best shooters in the conference. I think DeSante Bowen is going to be a very good addition. I'm curious what Philip Abracha is going to do. I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable in his role. But like I said, you just go up and down this, this lineup. I mean, they legitimately go nine deep. And people are going to laugh at this, but Connor McCaffrey's got his best season ever. Because this is the first offseason where he's got he's been healthy and been able to fully dedicate himself to basketball. Because remember, he's either been dealing with injuries or he's been baseball. So now he gets to keep his weight at the same level. He gets to just work on his shooting. He gets to do all these other things. Like this is going to be a very good basketball team. I don't know if they're a sweet 16 contender. I certainly think that they can make the round to 32. But you know, I almost hate saying sweet 16 contender, yeah, yeah, yada, because look. It comes down to matchups like you can put yourself in the best possible position. But like the once the tournament begins, it, it's all heck breaks loose and it's all matchups. It's all luck. Who's healthy? Who's hot? Who's not? Et cetera. But I think this will be a very, very good basketball team. My question for you, David, before we let you go, last one is in regards to the the postseason and and moving towards the the uh, the uh, March Madness. What do you think about those folks out there that think and maybe it's not a good thing to win the Big Ten tournament right before March Madness? I think it's you can make an argument. I mean, yeah. that's the reality of it. Is, I mean, you have to you want to be able to win your Big Ten. You want to win your conference championship. Like we're not saying that. But look at the Illinois team from two years ago. What happened to them? Look what happened to Iowa. Hey, look, Iowa was tired. I'm like it's not like Richmond won. I'm not. You know, I'm not taking any credit away from them, but Iowa was tired after that. And Iowa came into the, that tournament, arguably the hottest team in the country. I mean, they, they were playing, I think, a top five level basketball on both ends of the floor. They were playing good defense. They were rebounding. Iowa was 20-0 last season when they out-rebounded their opponents until they played Richmond. Then that moved them to 20-1. and So, you know... I I think the Big Ten, they're not going to give up that time slot because it's just before the, the actual bracket announcement from the championship perspective. But the Big Ten eventually, like, they've been the best basketball conference, I think, collectively over the last, I don't know how many years, or at least in, in a 20-year span, they've been at least five or six times the best conference. Still have no national champion. And that's going to keep plaguing them. It's just like Iowa – you know, people that are turning out draft picks are doing all these things right. Haven't been able to get to the Sweet 16. Quite a ways down the road, but uh, we got you covered here on Corn Stocks Sports Talk. David Eichel joining us here on this Saturday morning. Go give him a follow on Twitter for all Iowa sports. It's at David Eichel there. David, friend of the show, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We got that third and final segment coming up with Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader. We're going to preview that UNI game coming up today at 4 p.m. in the Dome. So stay right here on AM 950, KOEL and KOEL.com for more corn stocks and sports talk. UNI football squad bounced back last week with a 41-14 win over Utah Tech. Now they're facing the fifth team of the season coming off a bye in the Missouri State Bears, another MBFC team with high expectations that has fallen short so far, having lost four in a row. 
On to join us now is Wyatt Wheeler, sports reporter at the Springfield News Leader and sports host on the Jock in Springfield. Wyatt, uh, well, thanks for your your debut. First of all, here on Corn Stocks Sports Talk, uh, what's up with the what's up with the Bears right now? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think that's what everybody's trying to figure out. Um, I think there's a mixture of bad offensive line play, which will hurt any team, and then injuries on the defensive line and in the secondary have kind of been have been a bit have been a kind of a story that's been a little bit under the radar um we all knew going into the year that the offensive line needed to be the thing that stepped up you had four or five returning starters and they just haven't uh they haven't stepped up they've been they've taken probably a step back um and when uh, that's kind of unexpected from a group when you think okay we can take a step and um have that continuity and everything but it just hasn't come together defensive line wise you've had some defensive tackles when that was a big question they lost a guy to the nfl from the, uh the interior this past year uh, i looked pretty good there through the first two games but then one of the guys that was so Anthony Payne, who is really starting to um, emerge as a play as a really good player, uh, tore his bicep. Uh, so I mean, he goes out. You have some other injuries at the position. Teams are able to gash them up the middle, uh, run all over them, and then also they've been able to get these deep passes against them through a lot of miscommunication. Uh, they're starting safety, who's a captain on the team, has been out. Um, so they expect to get him back this week. But, I mean, just a lot of, I mean, little things there. Uh, you've allowed the second most sacks in FCS. Um, you've allowed way too many yards through the air and on the ground and can't really get stops. And no matter how good Jason Shelley is, he can't uh, he can't beat a team from his back or, um, or be able to go punch for punch when the defense allowing so much. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've been raving about Jason Shelley for the entirety of the season, um, and with you and I's struggles, been saying Jason Shelley's going to come into the dome and carve him up. But we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, any anything you know, schematic wise, that's that's necessarily been a commonality over these last four games that the Bears just can't match up with it, or or is it mostly those those injuries and, and the lack of uh, solid offensive line play? Yeah, I mean, just the offensive line, just having those struggles. They, they were just kind of manhandled against Southern Illinois, a little bit manhandled against South Dakota State. Actually played a pretty good game at North North Dakota as an offensive line unit. That was more of a de- defensive problem that day. Um, so maybe those bigger guys, those bigger rush type of guys have been um, have been a little overwhelming. Southern Illinois brought in some really good transfer portal guys to load up on that defensive line. South Dakota State's the best team in the country right now in the subdivision. And uh, the Bears just hadn't hadn't been able to match up with those guys when you have that offensive line play. I think the more speedier guys, when there need to be more assignment sound, uh, like a North Dakota pass rush might have, not the biggest, but will throw some things at you to give you some different looks. Um, I think that's where they excelled a little bit, but uh, just kind of getting that down. But it didn't matter when defensively they just weren't good. Um, so no, I, I mean the, the 
defense is capable of being better. I'm interested to see what happens after a bye week with that group when they're a little bit healthier. Of course, not getting Anthony Payne back, but getting healthier on that defensive line, getting your starting safety back, who's one of the better players in the conference, and Kyrie McDonald. And uh, I, I think it just it's just they've been beaten by better units along that offensive-defensive line that's really set them back. And in regards to that offensive line play, is it inexperience or or is it are there injuries on that line too? Four or five returning starters, man. I mean, it's uh, you have the experience, and the group just wasn't the best last year. You were able to get by with it, um, but it just hasn't been able. They just haven't been able to do that this year, and it's been. Uh, I mean, you've had there's some good games. Whether you point to they were better against UT Martin. Um, you didn't expect them to do too well against Arkansas, but they were able to schematically slow down some pass rush there to wherever to where they get Jason on the move and uh, let him do what he accept, he's great at. Um, but then when you have a South Dakota State who can just one of the best defensive lines in the country, and then Southern Illinois probably got a better defensive line than we're giving it credit for. Um, uh, just that unit just it hasn't been good enough when four or five starters, there's two guys that were from the transfer portal heading into last season that, uh, that were plugged in there. Um, and then you have, um, and then the third guy this year just hasn't been, um, hasn't been the best that's new to the starting unit um, because they had some injuries early on in preseason and, kind of lost some competition there. Um, so they haven't been able to run the ball like they want to because it hasn't been so good. Um, and they just had Jason on his back way too often. Again, we're talking with Wyatt Wheeler from the news leader in Springfield, a little bit about the UNI versus Missouri state game here on corn stocks and sports talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. So you just mentioned the run game. There are moments where I watched Jacardier Wright, big transfer. He's from Oregon State. He's from Kansas State. Kansas State. I don't know where I got Oregon, but uh, Kansas State. And there are just moments where it's like that dude looks like an FBS running back on the field. He's just like a higher level of of just size and athleticism compared to a lot of other guys on the floor or on the on the floor on the field. Man, struggling. Yeah, we're getting there, man. Bass. <laughs> I got some basketball media day stuff today, so I'm 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 surprised I haven't done that either. <laughs> but uh, in regards to that, in regards to Jacardier, right? Uh, there are moments to me where it's just like, wow, there's he's on another level. And then there's moments where he's tackled for a, a one yard loss, two yard loss. Is that is that just a reflection again of the offensive line? Are there moments where maybe I don't want to say he checks out, but you know, after a big run where it's just like, I'm getting the ball again. What do you see in there? Yeah, I think, I mean, Jacardier can be a special player. Right? That size and speed is different. And then um, and he also has pretty good hands, which surprises you in that body too. So um, I think he's a really good player. Um, there's some moments where maybe he stops his feet and the hole isn't there. Or, um, you know, there's a, off, a, um 
gets hit in the backfield because of offensive line play. So I don't really know how to assess it too much when the offensive line really hasn't been too good. Um, I don't think he's he's not a player that really dances a lot and tries to make a big play because he knows what he is. He's a big-bodied running back who's going to run through a guy. Um, but, no, I agree with you. He, he's I think he can be a really good player in this league. It's just he hasn't really – you haven't seen too much of an opportunity for him there uh, to where he's able to get that – um, those open fields, like because if he gets the open field, you're scared because that, that's a big dude. That's a, you know the, taking one on one, taking him one on one is something else. So I don't know, man. It, it's just been it's been hard to assess a lot of that just because that there's been so much struggles there on the offensive line and and Bobby Petrino's offense is one where you want to see play action and get Jason on the move and throw to some of the better receivers in the FCS. Ty Scott is, uh, could be an NFL guy someday. I mean, we haven't seen, we haven't been able to see Jordan Jones really do what he can do um, because Jason's had to fixate on Ty Scott because they have that chemistry or uh, I really want to see Jihad Booker get going because I think he's a really good receiver. So there's a, there's just a lot there. It's just like, leaves you wanting to see more because that group struggled so much. Uh, and now in regards to how the <clears throat> offense, and I mentioned, excuse me, <clears throat> mentioned Jason Shelley and and my thinking that he could carve up the UNI defense uh, on Saturday, a big issue for UNI, especially in that game against Illinois state was getting stops on third down to be third and six plus and Illinois state would convert every time 13 of 20 on third down two of two on fourth. And what I've said is with Jason Shelley's playmaking ability, oh, that's going to be rough. It's going to be tough to watch for, for you and I fans. Is, is that what you expect on Saturday? Yeah, it's just a matter of how much, what kind of approach they take with them. You've seen a little more spy stuff on Jason in recent weeks, which has worked. Um, let, the, let the defensive line go up against the struggling offensive line and uh, let the spy get them in the open field because the Bears are going to have some third and longs. Um, that's just kind of how it's been this year. They've struggled so much on first down to where they're trying to make up for second down, try to get in a reasonable spot on third down. So it just it, a big thing there is just going to be a matter of how Northern Iowa does on first and second down getting after him to where you get to those third downs. How difficult are they for the Bears? Um and that's where they've had their struggles is just they're having third and longs and that kills their drives, whether it's penalties because the Bears struggle with penalties and hurting themselves. And then uh, just other, whether it's a sack, whether it's a negative play and they're having to make up for stuff and third down, it's too late for some of that. So I, I would expect to see them spy him a little bit more. Um, just that it's just been something that's working for a lot of these defenses to try to hold him in check while defensive lines are able to get after the quarterback with no matter how many people they send after. Um, and if, and if that, and then make him have to throw the ball instead of using his legs, um, that's probably the best way for uh, any team to go about it right now. You know, I know, no uh, Jared Brinkman this year, obviously for you and I, and that's been a struggle for their defensive line, but there's still loads of talent there. Uh, Cannon Butler missing experience, but definitely has put in a lot of work. I mean, you got, Devin Rice, Caden Hotelling, and Christian Boyd right there on the line for UNI. Uh, 
I mean, you've seen them before. You, you've seen what they're capable of. Um, is that a big, big, you know, piece of anxiety maybe going into this game where it's like, oh, crap, we're going against this defensive line? You always know Northern Iowa's going to have a good defense no matter who's there. Um, I think that's something that the whole Valley has kind of settled on. Um, so, so yeah, I'm sure I, I know that has to, I know that has to give that unit just a, um, I mean, they're going to have to step up again. And um, just, uh, I, I like, I would say I'm a little more confident after a bye, uh, able to, able to get away after uh, just four weeks. I mean, it's just kind of been a roller coaster. Even, I mean, the start of that losing streak, you challenge Arkansas, you're up by 10 in the fourth quarter. Um, that close to pulling off one of the great wins in program history. And then you lay a dud against South Dakota State. You can forgive a loss to South Dakota State. I think, I mean, they're the number one team in the country. But then you go to Northern, North Dakota, get whooped, and then you come back home to Southern Illinois and get whooped. And I think the bye came at a right time. Um, they've been they've been focusing on this game for a while, and both teams are going to be desperate. Both teams, four lost teams, when um, probably I mean it's been a disappointing year for both of them so far. Northern Iowa's kind of turned it around to where they start have a slower start, being able to win a few of these. Um, but I mean, both teams are going to need these desperately when they have the losses they do. Um, to teams that are going to be fighting for at-larges. So it, it's a pretty tough one right now. A couple things for you, Wyatt, before we let you go. Again, we're talking with Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, previewing UNI versus Missouri State on this Saturday morning on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Who wins this game and why? Gosh, uh, it's just been so hard to bet on the Bears these last few weeks. Um uh, to where I wouldn't be surprised one way or another, as lame as that answer is. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd like the Bears after a bye. I, I just think this group is so talented to um, let five games in a row get a, get away from them. I think there are good people on this team to where um, they step where they have the right mindset to step up and turn this around. Um no matter how that looks, whether it's winning out the rest of the year and maybe giving them the chance, I think I think teams like Youngstown can really bother the Bears because of their running ability. Um, I mean, I don't even I, I haven't watched Indiana State yet, but they're scaring teams right now somehow. So I, I don't know what's going. I, I haven't watched them yet, so I don't know. But I don't think this is a Bears team that's going to win out just because of how up and down this year's been so far. Um, but I think they, I, I don't, I think they're too talented enough to not at least make it interesting for a little bit. I don't see it being a dumpster fire the rest of the year. And I think that involves having the win this week. So I think they get it, but wouldn't be surprised if I lose on the road at the uni dome. I mean, that's, that would surprise anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough place to play. So, uh, we'll, we'll see this weekend. Before we let you go, Bolivar, uh, senior now, Kyle Polk just commits to the Panthers. Uh, tell us about Kyle. You've written a couple features on him just a, a little ways away from Springfield. What is he going to bring to to the Panthers and, and the UNI basketball program? Yeah, uh, Bolivar, Missouri is about 30 minutes from here, so he's in my coverage area. Um, and I've gotten to know him pretty well since his sophomore year. Um, 
just a great, great kid is where I start with him. Uh, just, I mean, the nicest kid in the world. It comes from a great family. Um, and when I, I mean, the locals wanted him here. The Bears were the first ones to offer. Um, but, man, when, when Northern Iowa started recruiting him, I was just like, yup. I mean, there's not a per- more perfect fit for this kid than Northern Iowa playing for Ben Jacobson. Because, I mean, I've done – three years of recruiting stories with him. I've gotten to know what exactly he wants, what what he wants in a school, what he wants in a basketball program. I mean, he's just the smartest kid too. So, I mean, he's looking for academics and everything as well. Um, he's, he really appreciates the effort that people put into him and the relationships he builds. And when I when Ben Jacobson's name popped up as a person that offered him a scholarship because he had a great summer, Mocan Elite, one of the great AAU teams in the country, uh, won the Peach Jam this year. Um, just his game translate to translates to Northern Iowa so perfectly. Uh, could score at every level. Um, there they had some injuries at guard a few years back to where. He was start. He was being their starting point guard for a little bit. Just this six six kid dri- dribbling up the floor, playmaking, uh, setting up others. Um, I mean, has some great post moves, great mid range jumper, can hit a three. Um, so I, I'm incredibly excited for him. I uh, the only thing that the only, I wanted him to be at Missouri State just only because I wanted to cover him more because I really like the kid. Um, but I, just seeing him at Northern Iowa is going to be great. I, I think uh, they got a steal there. I think he's going to be a really good player for uh, Northern Iowa, and I can't wait to see what he does in a Panther uniform. How can we support Art Haynes? Yeah, you can support Art, uh, of course, for your listeners. Uh, Art Haynes is my co-host on Sports Talk, longtime legend in southwest Missouri, Missouri Valley Conference voice. Uh, voice of the bears for a uh, better part of 40 years. Um, West Nile right now, he's um, we're trying to get him through that at a good rehab hospital in Lincoln, Nebraska. Hopefully he won't have to watch too much corn huskers. Um, but if you want to donate, give a little bit, whatever you can, uh, there's a GoFundMe right now. Um, you can look up on GoFundMe, help Art Haynes, and it'll be the first one that pops up. Um, yeah, I, I miss him tremendously. I love the guy. There's so many around the league that love the guy. Uh, never, I've never heard a bad thing said about him. So if you could donate to Art, uh, we'd really appreciate it. That that link will be in the description on on YouTube and on the podcast wherever you're listening right now. So go support, uh, donate a little bit. Every every bit counts for for art. So uh, Wyatt Wheeler joining us here to preview that Missouri State versus UNI game this weekend, and he's talking a little bit of Kyle Polk too. Uh, Wyatt Wheeler is at Wyatt Wheeler underscore NL on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Wyatt, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, no time, no problem. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we got that link in the description to donate to Art Haynes GoFundMe. Go ahead and do that. Every little bit counts, and it's greatly appreciated by the folks down there in Springfield, Missouri. Once again, folks, my name is Elliot Clough. Thanks so much for tuning in today before games kick off this morning. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube as well as drop comments. That's greatly appreciated. And then additionally, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, the KOEL app, and more. So I'll hopefully see you at 4 p.m. today in the Dome. My name's Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. My UNI insider for Town Square Media. And this was another week's episode of Cornstalks and Sports Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.